So excited. I hope you guys have been enjoying this sermon series where we're taking secular songs and looking for biblical truth in them. You don't usually hear these songs in church, but we think that there's some truth in there. We're going to explore that together today. Uh, Last week, my family and I went to our favorite Mexican restaurant where Laura and I have been going for almost 20 years. We love to eat there and we ordered our usual favorite foods and then uh, we're a little disappointed when they brought out the wrong food. We had to send it back. You know, that happens. But then they brought us the bill at the end of the meal and it was 40% more than what we used to pay. 40%. So Obviously, inflation is part of that, but we looked at it, and instead of giving us like the combo rate, they listed everything like a la carte. So they charged us for rice and beans and one enchilada, two enchilada, three enchiladas, right? All the way down, like 40% more, right? So we're a little upset about that, but you know, we've been with them for almost 20 years, so give them the benefit of the doubt. But still, that was a hard one to swallow when we went home. Um, my wife's sister uh, just celebrated a milestone birthday, and she and her husband and their two sons, who were elementary age, uh, flew to New York City, and it was first time the boys had ever flown, and they went up there and saw all the sights, did the Statue of Liberty, all that kind of stuff, had a great few days, and they're getting ready to fly back home, and their flight was delayed. Not once, not twice, but three days, and they're still having to pay for the cost of the hotel, living in New York, eating in New York City, all on their dime. The airport's not going to do that. Uh, Then they finally had to rent a car. They got one car for one day. That's all that was available at their expense. And they had to drive home in one day uh, with two little ones from New York City. And when they got back, they all had COVID that they picked up up there. (laughs) Not a fun trip for them. Uh, Aggravation, things happening in our lives, uh, going on in our lives right now. Um, I was listening to the radio the other day. I listen to a lot of sports radio and uh, one of the, the hosts, one of the DJ hosts said that uh, had gone into the DMV to, I guess, to get his license updated. And the lady that was helping him do that was talking to him, well, what do you do for a living? He's like, well, I'm on the radio. And she said, well, you do have a face for the radio, right? <laughs> Meaning that he's ugly and he can't be on television, right? And, and she said it out loud, right? Like, what's going on when people are literally insulting one another like that all the time? It was great having our kids up here and teachers and administrators that we prayed for today. And we're also frustrated, right, in our local communities that we're short about 300 teachers. And so they're taking anybody, right, who has a pulse and putting them in the classroom to teach kids. Uh, they don't have training. They don't have the experience, right, but they're just trying to get bodies in the classroom to take care of our kids. And that's frustrating. The great resignation, I don't think, is over where everybody's quitting their jobs and trying to do something else. And um, that's frustrating as well uh, for those of us who've been in the workforce and just don't feel the passion for it anymore. The new thing, though, instead of resigning, is called quiet quitting. It's basically you do the very bare minimum to get by in your job. It's like you've quit, but you're still taking a paycheck, right? And so there's a lot of frustration with customer service and getting right? Work done in in workplaces, just a lot of frustration. And on top of that, we have racism and we have division in politics over abortion and we have guns, gun control issues and we have kids getting shot in our schools and we have monkeypox and we have COVID and we have wars in Ukraine and, you know, we have China and Russia and North Korea that are not friendly with us and they have nuclear weapons, right? It's getting to be a very stressful time in the world right now. 
Also heard on the radio uh, this past week that uh, there was a woman who got arrested for calling 911 over 12,000 times this year so far. And what she does is she calls up the operator and she just screams at him. She just yells at him because she is so frustrated and scared in her life. That's all she does all day, every day. And they finally had to arrest her. And I'm wondering if you see this kind of stuff, you experience this kind of stuff in our lives, it's frustrating. And we might wonder, like, what's going to give, right? There's so much negativity in the world. And are we at the edge of, of the end times, right? Is this the kind of stuff that we read about in the Bible, in the book of Revelation, all that kind of stuff? It just seems like there's so much negative stuff going on. Are we at the edge of the end of time? I don't know. Personally, I don't think so. Right, But what do we do with all this stuff that's happening in our life right now? I want to show you a passage of Scripture from Jesus. Hopefully this will comfort you a little bit. This was in Matthew's Gospel when Jesus was talking about the end of the world and someone asked him when it was going to be. And he said, about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Right? Jesus says, I don't even know when the end of time is coming. So I don't want you guys to worry about that today. I want to give you some alleviation of that, right? Is it the end of time? Is it the bad end of time? I don't think so. I could be wrong. I don't think so. But, you know, if someone's telling you that it is, you know, Jesus doesn't even know when he's coming back. If he doesn't know, then someone else in the world can't tell you when he's coming back, okay? And by the way, when he comes back, if we're following Jesus, that's going to be a good thing, right? But what about these times? Aren't they worse than any time in history, right? Aren't these terrible things happening in the world? Well, bad things are happening. Right? But good things are happening too. But if you look back in history, there's been a lot of bad things that have happened. Right? The Christians or the followers of Jesus in the Bible, they probably thought it was the end of the world when the Assyrians came in and, and wiped them out. Then the Babylonians came in and wiped them out. Then the Romans came in and wiped them out. Then they killed Jesus. Right? I'm sure people think this is the end. But the world kept going and God kept doing good things in the world. In the 1300s, when the Black Plague came, the Black Death, it killed almost one-fourth of the entire world, right? One-fourth of the world. If you got it, there was a 100% chance you were going to die. People probably thought, this is the end of the world. But it wasn't. The slave trade, the Holocaust, World War I, World War II. Right? We go through history and we look and there have been hard things in the world and people thought this must be the end there's nothing good going on yet God was still with the people and we lived another day right? are we living on the edge of something in our world today Cole and the band really did a good cover of Aerosmith let's give them a hand for that today living on the edge right this song was written uh, and released around 1993 uh, and it was in response to the 1992 riots in Los Angeles uh, when Rodney King, an African-American man, was beaten by white police officers, and then they were acquitted. They were not punished for that. And so then the rioting happened in Los Angeles. So Aerosmith saw that, didn't think that was good, and so they wrote this song. And basically, in some of the interviews I've read about them and, and thinking about this song, uh, we've got a picture of Aerosmith I think we can throw up here. Uh, that's them, the really cool guys. They said that uh, this song is talking about how crazy the world is, but how people are stuck in their routines and we don't make any changes to make the world a better place, right? It, it's a crazy world and we, we're living in our ruts and our routines and we don't take a step back and change our behavior to make it a less crazy world. So let's look at some of the lyrics uh, that are in this song that I think are interesting. 
There's something wrong with the world today. I don't know what it is. Something's wrong with our eyes. We're seeing things in a different way, and God knows it ain't his. Right? That's a pretty cool thing. Right? We're doing something wrong. It's not God's way. Right? This is from a rock and roll, major rock and roll band. It sure ain't no surprise. Yeah. Let's keep going with that. We're living on the edge, living on the edge, right? We're living on the edge of just something weird and kind of crazy. There's something wrong with the world today. The light bulb's getting dim. There's a meltdown in the sky. If you can judge a wise man by the color of his skin, then, mister, you're a better man than I, right? Against racism, against seeing people differently because of the color of their skin, right? Against all this, this prejudice and stuff that happened to Rodney King is their gut reaction to this, right? We keep going. We're living on the edge, but now they add the refrain, you can't help yourself from falling, right? The world's going crazy, and it seems like we're just falling off the edge of the world, right? And they keep repeating that, repeating that, repeating that. Uh, and we get to this next lyric. Tell me what you think about your situation. Complication, aggravation is getting to you, right? How is your life complicated? How is your life aggravating, right? How, how is the world getting to you, right? This is the part where it makes it personal for us in our own walk. Right? If Chicken Little tells you that the sky is falling, remember that little children's story where Chicken Little said the sky is falling, sky, but the sky wasn't falling? Right? Even if it wasn't, would you still come crawling back again? I bet you would, my friend, again and again and again. They're saying, we love the idea that the world's ending and, and we want people to tell us that doom's coming. We keep coming back and coming back from that, but there is a hopeful message here where he says that's not happening. Right? Something right with the world today and everybody knows it wrong. This one, I'm not really sure how to interpret, right? It could be one of two things. I'd love to talk to you after the service about what you think it is. There's something right with the world today. There's goodness in the world, but the world doesn't recognize that, right? Like the goodness of Jesus. Good things are happening in the world, but the general world doesn't recognize that. could be one meaning. The other meaning could be that people see things that Christians would see as wrong, and the world sees it as right. Right? It, it's right to cheat people. It's, it's right to cheat on your spouse. It's, it's, it's right to have pornography, right? Things like that. People see things that are wrong as being good. Does that make sense? I wonder if that's what the lyric is saying, right? We see things that are wrong and we think that's just right. That's normal. That's accepted behavior. I'm not sure what he's saying here. But we can tell him no or we could let it go, but I would rather be hanging on, right? This is the last verse, right? Whatever it is, at least we are alive and Maybe tomorrow could be a better day. So interesting, right? We're living on the edge. We're living on the edge. What are we living on the edge in our lives? Complication, aggravation, what's, what's getting to you, right? Well, how are we living on the edge in our life? And what's on the other side of that, right? Then the next song uh, that we focused on today is by uh, Superstar Band, U2. We got a picture of them. Yes, they're very good, right? Uh, super band, right? And these are also followers of Jesus, uh, the band, which is really cool. And you get that combination together. They wrote this song in 1987. I still haven't found what I'm looking for from their Joshua tree, right? And this is what some of the lyrics are. I've climbed the highest mountains. I've run through the fields only to be with you, only to be with you. I've run, I've crawled, I've scaled these city walls, these city walls only to be with you. So maybe running after a girlfriend, maybe running after a friend, family member, maybe even running after God. Who knows, right? But I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I still haven't found, I'm looking for you, but I haven't found everything, right? 
go to the next verse. I've kissed honey lips, felt the healing in her fingertips that burned like fire, this burning desire, right? So some kind of romantic thing going on here. I have spoke with the tongue of angels. I've held the hand of a devil. It was warm in the night. It was cold as stone. In our lives, we meet all kinds of people. Angels, we meet devils in our lives. Uh, it's interesting. Now, this is what I love about this psalm, right? This is definitely talking about Jesus. I believe in the kingdom come, right? Jesus talked about the kingdom of God coming on the earth. Then all the colors will bleed into one, bleed into one, right? Maybe we'll stop being racist. Maybe we'll start seeing each other as God sees us, all as children of God, right? But yes, I'm still running. And this, I think, is directly speaking to Jesus. You broke the bonds and you loosed the chains, carried the cross of my shame. You know I believe it, right? I believe you, Jesus. You, you died for me. You carried the cross for me, right? I'm, I'm a believer, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Still haven't found what I'm looking for, right? Isn't Jesus enough? I think he is, right? I think when we find Jesus, Jesus is enough. It's our salvation. It's our hope. It's our joy. It's our forgiveness, right? We, when we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, we're forgiven and we can live life to the full and that is all good, right? You know I believe it. The kingdom is here, right, with us. Jesus brought the kingdom of God into, into the world when he died and he came back to life. But then Bono, the lead singer, keeps saying, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. What does he mean? If he's got Jesus, then what's he still looking for? And I think what Bono and you 2 are wrestling with, maybe even what Aerosmith is wrestling with, uh, is, is this truth that we wrestle with in theology. Uh, and can we share that next slide, Grayson? Uh, might not have made it. The yet, not yet, tension. Did we get that in there? Yep, there we go. Okay, thank you. All right, so there's a, this tension of the yet and the not yet. What does that mean? Right? The tension is that Jesus brought the kingdom of heaven into the world when he died and he came back to life, right? Jesus is yet among us. Jesus is here. Jesus lives in us, right? Jesus brought the kingdom into the world. We can have joy and peace and forgiveness and good things in the world now because Jesus ushered in the kingdom of heaven on the earth, right? Jesus is yet among us. But... The full kingdom of God is not here yet, right? The full kingdom of God where there's no more evil, there's no more crying, there's no more brokenness, that is not yet here. That will come at the end of time whenever Jesus does come back, right? So we're caught in this yet, not yet tension. The kingdom of God is here in part, and that's great. We have Jesus. We have each other. We can love the world. We can work to bring good into the world. There is forgiveness. There's peace. There's love. There's joy. All that stuff that's in Scripture that we experience in our lives. There's children that we pray for and new members that we welcome. There are hungry people that we feed, right? There is goodness because Jesus brought the kingdom in, and yet it's not all the way here, right? The war against evil is over. God won it, right? God won it on the cross, but there's still individual battles being fought. Right? There's some people in the world that don't know the war is over. Right? And so there's, there's hunger and there's oppression and there's rape and there's war. And so there's yet Jesus with us, but the full kingdom is not yet here. And so there's brokenness in the world. I have Jesus. I believe in it. I love Jesus. I love God. Right? But I still haven't found everything that I'm looking for. There's still racism and there's still sexism and there's still starving children. There's still things that need 
to be taken care of. I think that's that tension that you two and Aerosmith are singing about. And I wonder if you feel it in your life as well. We have Jesus. We follow Jesus, and that's great. But there's still things that are broken in the world. Let's go back to that Romans passage, Grayson. Right. So this is from Paul, who is uh, the writer of most of the New Testament. He started a lot of churches in the first century. And he's talking about specifically here followers of Jesus, right? Living in the world today can be hard for anybody, but it's even extra hard for followers of Jesus because when we try to do the right thing, people don't like that and they make our lives difficult. So Paul is writing about how do we as followers of Jesus live in this yet, not yet period, right? We're kind of stuck in the middle. And so this is what Paul says. I consider that our present sufferings, right, are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed, will be revealed in us, right? We're in, the, we're in the yet part, but we're not all the way who we're going to be yet, right? We're followers of Jesus, but we don't have our resurrected bodies. We're not fully with God in the glorious kingdom of heaven. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God, right? The world's created in a good way, but it's also broken because we do wrong things, right? And so the, the whole creation, all of us, are waiting for Jesus to make everything right. We're, we're, we're hanging on for that, right? We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, daughtership with God, the redemption of our bodies, right? We follow Jesus, but we're not in our fully resurrected bodies yet, right? So there's still brokenness in the world. For in this hope, we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. I think Paul's talking about that yet, not yet tension. We have Jesus. We have goodness in the world. There's lots of good things to celebrate but there are a lot of things that are broken and they should break our hearts and we should look for ways to fix the things that are still broken while we wait on Jesus to come back fully. Does that make sense? I think that's what Paul is saying to us. So what do we do now, right? We're, we're caught in the meantime, right? The yet, the not yet, we're kind of caught in the middle of that. What can we do? Paul keeps going here and I love some of this stuff from Romans 8. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness when we don't know what to do, right? We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. God prays for us when we don't know how to pray for ourselves. When we're living on the edge of our life and we seem lost or frustrated or, or fractured, God comes in and prays for us when we can't even help ourselves. That's a comfort to me that when I'm at the end of my rope, that God's there to help me, to pray for me. And I love this next verse. We've, we, we've used this before. This might be one of the favorite verses of, of a lot of us. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Even in the midst of the brokenness, even in the midst of all that's broken in America, all that's broken in the world, God is at work to bring good into our lives. We might not see it immediately, but God is at work to bring good into our lives. Just like God did with the death of Jesus, his only son, right? How horrible and evil was that? 
but God brought goodness through that into the world so that we can be forgiven and we can have joy and peace and we can live life to the full even as things around us are not perfect. God is working for good even as we're living on the edge, right? And if God is working for good, shouldn't we join him? What if we who follow Jesus join God and he said, you know what, the world's not perfect, but we've got Jesus, we've got the kingdom in us, and we're going to work to make this a better place one person at a time, right? If God's working to bring good in the world, I think God is also calling us to come alongside him and bring goodness into the world. I want to go back to the Old Testament now. We're going to go way back to the time of Moses, right? The people of Israel had gone into Egypt because they were starving, and a, a man named Joseph was called by God to get all this food and, and store it up. And so the people of Israel went down to Egypt, and this man named Joseph fed them, and they were friends of Egypt. But hundreds of years go by, and the Egyptians have forgotten that, and now the Israelites are not welcome guests anymore. They've become slaves. And the Egyptians are oppressive, and they, they whip them, and they make them do manual labor to build buildings out of bricks so they have to bake in the sun. And so it's just this terrible time that's going on. And a man named Moses, who was born a person of Israel, but he was raised as an Egyptian, he sees this, and it, it, he's had enough of it. He's seen his brothers and sisters being abused, and he, he just, he loses it, right? That's where we're coming into the story right now. And he overreacts, but look what he does in Exodus 2, 11 through 12. One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were, and he watched them at their hard labor. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Looking this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. Moses said, enough is enough. Stop oppressing my people. Stop doing what you're doing. And he, he snapped and he lost it. And he was so passionate about what was happening to his own people that he killed the Egyptian, right? Now, I don't think that was right. I don't think that was God's will. I don't think that's the answer, right? If you're living on the edge, please don't kill anybody, right? That's not what Pastor Kyle is saying today, right? But Moses had lost it. His heart was broken, right? And he had to act. He, he overdid it, way overdid it, but his heart was broken. Let's keep going and see what God does with that. This is fast forward the, through time. Moses has been exiled. He has to flee for his life because he committed murder. He's living off by himself. He, he, he gets kind of adopted by this family. Uh, and now God is ready to challenge Moses to do something positive. And so God calls Moses up on this mountain and God speaks to him. And it's out of a bush that's on fire. Maybe you've heard of the burning bush. This is God speaking to Moses from the burning bush. And this is what he says. And God said, I will be with you. Right? Oh, can we go back? There we go. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I'm sending you out to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Right? God says, I have seen what you see, Moses. I see the people are suffering. This is not right, and we're going to do something about it. We're going to set them free, and I'm going to send you to be the one to lead them out of captivity, Moses, I've seen what's in your heart. I see that you love them, that you hate the evil that's being done. And we're going to use you, Moses, to work for good. 
I'm going to send you to take care of my people. Right? God has had enough. Moses has had enough. Right? When I was growing up, when I was a kid, I used to watch a lot of cartoons. And one of the cartoons that I watched was Popeye the Sailor Man. You guys ever seen that? I think we've got a picture of Popeye that we can, we can show here. Right? And he used to have this phrase. He'd say, this is all that I can stand and I can't stand no more. Right, you remember that? He, he, he just gets fed up, right? He, he, he's getting bullied by this guy named Brutus or Bluto. And so he gets to this point that just pushes him beyond that. He says, that's all I can stand and I can't stand no more. He usually eats a can of spinach and then he goes and, and beats up the bad guy, right? So this is Moses' moment, right? This is God's moment. This is all I can stand and I can't stand no more. The world is broken. Bad things are happening. People are suffering and I can't stand it anymore. We're living on the edge, but we've got to do something about that, right? So my question for you today is, what's your Popeye moment, right? What is your moment, what other pastors call this, of holy discontent? I see something that's broken, and it stirs something up inside of me, and I got to do something about that. What is your Popeye moment? What, what do you see that you, you can't stand and you can't stand anymore that you, like Moses, have got to get involved, right? Is it that children in our city are going to bed hungry? Is it that there are not enough teachers in the classrooms who've been trained because we're not paying teachers enough, right? Is it that people in our community don't know the love and grace of Jesus Christ because no one's ever told them about that? Is it that we have refugees from countries all over the world where it's not safe for them to live and, and they're just trying to look for a place to take care of their families? What breaks your heart? What breaks your heart? What is your Popeye moment? I've had all that I can stand and I can't stand anymore. And I'm guessing that if it breaks your heart, it breaks God's heart. What's your Popeye moment? What can't you stand? What, what's breaking God's heart? What's breaking your heart? And maybe the most important question, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Now, if you're like me, I'm probably going to whine about it and complain about it and blame it on some politician for not doing something about it. I'm going to say, well, that's somebody else's job to do that. They've been elected to do that. Or they've got more money than me. Or they've got more time than me. They've got more power than I do, right? If you're like me, I'm just so overwhelmed at all the brokenness in the world. I don't even know where to start. There's so many issues, and, you know, I don't like the war, the war in, Ukraine, in the Ukraine. What can I do about that? I'm a pastor in Charlotte, right? What can we do when we have these Popeye moments, right? What can we do? Let's look at what Moses did, right? Because Moses was passionate, and he was ready to help the, the people of Israel out, right? But, but he's getting ready to go on a journey that he has no clue what he's getting ready to go on to. He's going to go into like 40 plus years of trying to do stuff for the people of Israel and his passion is going to fade. It's going to come back. It's going to wane. Right? There are going to be moments where Moses has no passion. He has no uh, energy. He's fully exhausted and yet God's still calling him to do what God called him to do. So let's see what Moses' reaction was in that. Moses said to God, who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. Yeah, I got some passion. Yeah, I don't like what they're doing, but who am I, God? I'm one man. Pharaoh is the ruler of a nation. He's the ruler of an army. What can I do? I do have passion. I'm not always going to have passion. But, 
but it's so overwhelming. There's so much to do. How can I do that? And this is what God says to him. And this is what God says to you. This is what God says to you and to me, brothers and sisters, when we have passion, when we have our holy discontent moments, and we don't believe we can make a difference. This is what God says to you and to me. God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. I am with you. Keep worshiping me. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what's his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. I am, right? Nobody can say that they're they're God but God, right? God says, you tell them I sent you. I will be with you. I am praying for you. I will give you the energy. I will give you the words. I will give you whatever you need in that moment. You are not alone. So brothers and sisters, as you think about what it is that just hurts your heart, that makes you angry, that breaks God's heart, I'm thinking God has put that in your heart for a reason, and I think that reason is to do something about it. It might be something small. It might be something medium-sized. It might be something large. But God says, if you've got the passion, if you've got the broken heart, then we're going in on this together, and you're going to make a difference and I'm going to be with you, and I am praying for you, and we will work on this together. So what's the point today? What's the big idea? What's the takeaway? This is what I think it is. If you don't live on the edge, you will never see the view. If you don't live on the edge, you'll never see the view. And let me clarify that. I'm talking about the edge of the yet and the not yet. The edge of the kingdom of God being here, in part, but not fully, right? If we're not on the edge of heaven, right, then we're not going to see the glory of Jesus, that, that, that God is with us, and there are good things in our lives right now, and that we see it's going to get even better, right, when Jesus comes back. But also when we're on the edge of the yet and the not yet, as great as it is to have Jesus in our lives, we're also going to see that the whole world does not yet have that. And that there's brokenness in the world. There are people who are hurting. There are things that are left undone. And God is calling us to do something about that. If you don't live on the edge, you'll never see the view, the beautiful view of heaven or the brokenness that's in the world that God says, I need you to do something about that. So here are a few things I just invite you to wrestle with this week. Three questions to ask yourself. Three questions, right? What is my Popeye moment, right? My holy discontent. What can I stand no more? No more. I've got to do something about it. Does it break God's heart too? I bet it does. If it breaks your heart, it's breaking God's heart. And then this most important question, what am I going to do about it? We're overwhelmed by all the things that are broken in the world. So this is what I encourage you to do. Pick one thing and do one thing about it. Pick one broken part of the world and do one thing about it. Someone who's hungry, feed them. Someone who needs an education, tutor them, right? brokenness in the world help somebody out bring them a a meal a kind word a hug right pick one issue that's broken in the world do one thing about it what's your Popeye moment does it break God's heart too probably what are you going to do about it and if we all do one thing God is with us God's praying for us then imagine how that will transform the world through the power of the Holy Spirit that song by you too, one thing that I latch on to, 
is that, that lyric, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. The operative word here is still. Bono hasn't stopped. It's frustrating. We haven't gotten all the bad stuff in the world fixed yet. I still haven't found what I'm looking for, but he's still looking. He's not giving up. He's still going out. He's still trying to make a difference, right? And I think that's the message for God to us today. Things are still broken, but we're still going out to try to fix them. We still haven't found what we're looking for, but we're still looking, right? We're still looking. Keep looking. Keep working. Keep doing what God is calling you to do, right? I still haven't found what I'm looking for because I'm still looking, though. So keep looking with Jesus and make a difference in the world in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.